When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Fast talk, street talk, talk radio. Fighting the good fight with all his might, providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham and thank you for being part of the biggest audience that talk radio has ever, ever had. The future is indeed bright at the home of common sense, as I said to Julia Hartley Brewer. It's thanks to all of the good people uh, who work here. It's thanks to all of the good people behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, to the side of the scenes, uh, and some of us who sit here uh, on front of the cameras as well. Uh, but also it's massive thanks to all of you out there uh, for listening, for viewing, for watching us, for listening to us for, for longer. Uh, we'll get into more of that uh, a bit later on, but it's a fantastic piece of good news and a great piece uh, of uh, promotion for us and we think we deserve it so thank you uh, we've got to address a few problems though before we start congratulating ourselves too much to wit the energy crisis is about to get a lot worse the regulator off is set to announce a raising of the price cap i don't know why they call it that by 50 percent to 2,000 quid which will plunge millions of households into despair Chancellor Rishi Sunak is to speak this morning on what he's going to do to help struggling families. And it could be uh, that he's going to be giving some kind of council tax rebate uh, to people who live in bands A, B and C. Will that do any good? And it's also, it's our money, isn't it? And what about the councillors? What are they going to say about it? Meanwhile, we're taking a look at the state of government in this country. We're joined by Baroness Hoey with her take on Boris Johnson, the Northern Ireland Protocol, protocol uh, and the latest news coming out uh, of Belfast, which is that the First Minister of Northern Ireland is going to resign later on today. So there's plenty to talk about there. Uh, 0344-499-1000 is the number. Dr Steve James joins us later on as well with an update on the NHS vaccine consultation. Don't forget, he was the doctor who confronted Sajid Jam- Uh, in King's College Hospital and said he didn't want to take the vaccination. Since then, there's been a U-turn by Sajid Javid, but is it really a U-turn? There's some kind of consultation going on. We'll find out from Dr Steve precisely when 
all of those NHS workers will be told for sure they don't need to get a vaccination to keep their jobs. And what about the care workers? When are they going to get their jobs back as well? Richard Taylor's here too. He's got some news from Wales. Apparently Mark Drakeford's been spending a fortune on TikTok videos. How bizarre. 0344 499 1000. In other news, the SNP are going to cut off the bottom of all the doors in Scotland. Yeah, I don't know why either. And the armed forces are under fire for ordering troops to spend a day reflecting on inclusivity. I'm sure that will help stop the Russians invading Ukraine. And because it's Thursday, Helena Nicholas is popping in with some ideas for Valentine's Day. You know it makes sense. It's not very far away. 0344 499 1000. You listen to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It's growing ever bigger by the minute. It's Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. And many, many more of you are listening to us and watching us as well. So it's time to say a very, very good morning to Baroness Kate Hurry. Uh, Kate, a very good morning to you. And uh, the timing of your appearance on this show could not be more prescient, really, with what's going on uh, over in Belfast. Well, certainly today is a very, very important, crucial day in, in Northern Ireland. We've seen already uh, yesterday Edwin Putz, the minister, doing what legally apparently could should have been done some time ago because the court cases in Northern Ireland during the autumn showed that there was no that there had to be legal uh, agreement by the executive to do these checks. So Edwin Putz was taking a paper to the executive to ask for the um, approval or not of the executive and Sinn Féin stopped that going to the executive. So he then got further legal advice and decided that um, this was the time to actually say, sorry, if we, don't, we not, do not have the legal cover to uh, have these checks. And following on from that, of course, we now have the news today, um, which some people have been suggesting might happen, but it looks like it will happen, that the First Minister will resign, which means in the way the, uh, I have to say, ridiculous situation in Northern Ireland is then, the Deputy First Minister has to resign and we have a situation where there is no functioning executive. Right. Uh, and, and But, you know, I think what Edwin Putz did is really basically because we are fed up, generally, people in Northern Ireland who oppose the protocol, uh, that these talks with the European Union keep going on. The same press release comes out every time they've finished having a meeting and nothing changes. And... Right. I don't think we feel that there's any confidence that uh, the European Union will give way in any way uh, to make the protocol even work less restrictively, never name get rid of it, which is what we want. No, we know. I mean, you and I, Kate, have been talking about this for a very long time. Uh, the court cases you referred to, I'm assuming, are the ones that you and Ben Habib uh, were involved in as well. Um, and what exactly is it that is stopping the UK government from just pulling the rug away and instituting Article 16 and just getting on with it? Well, other than the sort of usual, I expect what there is is a blob of civil service people, particularly from the Foreign Office, all around saying to the Prime Minister, oh, you know, we mustn't do this because, you know, it's going to upset the European Union and we don't need that at the moment and we don't want them threatening trade trade disruption. Um, but, you know, ultimately, Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom and our government should be protecting the people of Northern Ireland. And what we've seen is that, as we've said all along, and I've said it over and over again, including in the House of Lords quite recently, ultimately, our government has to choose between the protocol and the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. Mm. The Belfast Good Friday Agreement was what this was all supposed to be about, to, to protect the peace in Northern Ireland. And what we've seen is the Belfast Agreement being broken because of the issue of consent 
and the Belfast Agreement, you know, not happening. And then the Belfast Agreement being broken because of the fact that um, the East-West trading relationship has been broken down. So you can't support the Good Friday Agreement, Belfast Agreement, in in some of its parts and not all of its parts. And I'm afraid that's what the Irish government has been doing, supporting parts of it. The European Union seems to have been only interested in parts of it. So now the crunch has come and people will have to choose. Well, that's right. I mean, what is day-to-day life like there, Kate? I mean, is it any different from what it was before Brexit? Is it any, you know, are there any impediments to trade? I mean, are there still lorries being stopped in strange places and, and, and searched? Are people having trouble exporting, importing? What's happening? Well, there's a huge bureaucracy to bring anything now into Northern Ireland, whether it's uh, as most of the trade coming over, the lorries coming over are staying in Northern Ireland. But because there is that risk that some of them might take a little something out of Northern Ireland, all over, on over the frontier into the Republic of Ireland, which is in the EU, then the European Union, wanting to protect its internal markets, supposedly, mm. is saying we must check everything. And they, I think initially when the protocol, I mean, I opposed it, but when it was brought in, um, I don't think our government expected the European Union to implement it in such a draconian way. So all sorts of things now are coming to, to come to fruit. And remember, and it's very important your, your listeners remember that we haven't even, we're still in grace periods. Yeah. You know, we haven't really got the protocol in full. And and so that that is coming on. And then there was a problem about the medicines. There's a problem about bringing in, we can't even get the trees that were to come in for Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee this year. Uh, they weren't allowed to come in. You know, it, every day there's something new happening. The state mm. aid rules, which the government's putting a bill through at the moment about state aid and how it's going to work after now we've left the EU, won't apply to Northern Ireland. So the reality is people are just beginning. You know, on day-to-day things, we're, we're still finding it impossible sometimes to get things in from Great Britain. Uh, often you go into Amazon and you order, try to get something, and it comes up, no, we're not. Right going to send to Northern Ireland because they have to have the hassle of filling in forms, spending money. Mm. And if it's only for something small, they're not going to bother. No, so, that's very irritating, it must be said, because obviously we'll talk about Boris Johnson in a, in a broader context. But one of the things that people have said uh, who are his supporters still, well, well, he's got Brexit done. Well, not if you live in Northern Ireland, he hasn't. Well, no, but, he, he you know, Northern Ireland is still in the uh, European Union single market. And, you know, that may sound to some people, oh, well, maybe that's quite trivial. But actually, the reality is, as we go on into Lee having left the European Union and the government finally, now that the COVID situation is, is being hopefully coming to an end, they might get on with actually doing some of the things that we were going to hopefully do when we left the European Union, like getting rid of some of the regulations, getting, you know, being able to actually do things that we couldn't do while we were still in the European Union. But the problem is Northern Ireland will be left out of that. Mm. And, you know, that is not ultimately, uh, we've as we've said, for some time, the, the, the it's unsustainable. The institutions are, are, are being threatened. And now we've seen that, that today, We've seen that, um, you know, but can I just say to Liz Truss, if she's listening, Mm. because I know she had COVID, which I hope hopefully she's recovering, but she's supposed to be meeting Sefcovich today. I mean, we could stop this immediately. The the first minister would not be resigning if in Article 16 was invoked today. Months ago, the government said the criteria had been met to invoke Article 16 and they haven't done it. So now really is their last chance to learn for them to do this. Mm. Otherwise, we're in a situation which will lead Northern Ireland to huge instability. And ultimately, the United Kingdom uh, government is going to have to get involved anyway. So 
I, my suggestion would be to invoke Article 16, say to the European Union today, that's it, sorry, it's not working, we now want to start again and mm. re-look at the whole thing. Yes, and would that involve more negotiations on her part then, or just would it be simply um, a flicking of a switch, effectively? Well, effectively, the, the, the ruling is that then you go into more negotiations, but as I understand it, everything would stop then, so there wouldn't be any more searches. And of course, as some of people on Twitter today have been quite amusing and saying, "Oh, oh dear, you know, it's now you know ten o'clock. Has the has the European Union's internal market fallen? Has has some kind of sausage meat got over into the Republic across? Has you know the whole thing is just ridiculous and has been used as a a weapon by the European Union, backed up, I'm afraid, by the Irish government to punish mm. the United Kingdom." for leaving and for trying to get and also wanting to try and get the United Kingdom to come back into the single market and the customs union. Yes. And that's not going to happen. No, of course it's not. And this overarching sort of threat, which is always mentioned in passing by those who would like to see um, uh, the, the, the northern part of Ireland stay in the European Union. Oh, well, what about the men of violence? You know, we can't possibly have a border because that would be terrible. When effectively, as you've explained before, it's very easy to do a border. It doesn't have to be a border which is, you know, run by armed no. guards. It can be run as a virtual border, surely. Yes, and, and a lot more work has gone in over the over since we voted to leave on the technical solutions that can that can happen. You know, there's always been sort of informal kind of checks of things going over the border but it's never been nothing's actually physically stopped right it's it's done before the goods leave and, and when they arrive and and all of that could be if there was goodwill but i'm afraid the european union sort of tied itself to this idea that you could not possibly and of course i have to say theresa may didn't help by saying away back initially that um there couldn't even be an extra camera or there couldn't be a camera at right. the border she didn't realize there were already cameras there checking <laughs> people's speed limits and so on. Right. So it is a nonsense. And I think finally, you know, and I think what has brought this to a head today is genuinely a feeling amongst the pro-union community that the UK government has got so much on at the moment, the problems with Boris, the problems with um, Ukraine and cost of living and all of those things that they are, they have taken their eye off the ball. Yeah. They, they may be continuing negotiations, but they're not going to get anywhere. So, I'm afraid we have to, in Northern Ireland, show that we mean what we say when we don't want the protocol. Yeah, but the problem as well is that they've sort of just let it drift, haven't they? I mean, they they solved the Brexit problem. Boris Johnson did indeed get elected. He's got his 80-seat majority. They got out of the European Union. It was all uh, hell, fellow, well met. COVID then hit. And I think the idea always was from Downing Street that, you know, we'll get round to Northern Ireland. We'll sort that out in the fullness of time. And then I think they almost practically just kind of forgot about it. Well, I think I think to be fair to them, they did think they didn't think it would cause the problems it has caused. I don't think they thought the European Union would even think of uh, trying to stop medicines coming in for, that had been approved in the United Kingdom into Northern Ireland because they hadn't been approved by the EU. You know, there were so many things that the the EU behind the scene that I'm not even sure. Uh, you know, Sefcovic actually even knew about all these, you know, it's it's it's, it's an army of, of bureaucrats in Brussels and, um, you know, they can almost do or say anything. And then this this caused the problems and, you know, little things like, you know, nobody, I don't think Boris Johnson knew when he signed up to it that people who wanted to bring their pets on holiday to Northern Ireland across the Irish Sea would have to, you know, end up with lots of restrictions and rabies injections and things that 
had never happened before yeah. just because they were coming from one part of the United Kingdom to another. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. We'll get on to Boris Johnson in a moment, Kate. Stay where you are. Baroness Hoey uh, talking to us. She's, of course, from Lyle Hill and Rathlin. Uh, she's got some very, very interesting things to say about the Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, and today, as we just broke the news to you, uh, it looks like the Northern Ireland First Minister uh, is about to resign at some point this afternoon. We've got more to talk about. I'll ask her about Boris Johnson. She worked closely with him when he was Mayor of London. Uh, and we'll take lots of your calls, of course, as well. We're talking energy today because Rishi Sunak uh, is going to be getting up to offer some kind of uh, payback scheme on your council tax. I'm not sure why he's doing that. I don't know if it's a good idea. Uh, I don't know if it's going to work. We want to hear from you. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Up front and bold as brass. Rev it up and ran it out. The nation's best debate. Loud. Alive. A hippie to the hippie to the hippie hip hop. Talk Radio. The home of common sense. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are, of course, the home of common sense. Dr. Steve James coming up in a little while. Uh, he'll be telling us what the latest is from the front line of the NHS. We have, of course, got Sajid Javid's U-turn uh, in front of us where he's basically said it won't any longer be necessary for all NHS workers to have two jabs in order to keep their job. So we'll see where that's all going to go. There's a consultation going on. Uh, our care workers going to be able to get their uh, jobs back as well. We're talking to Baroness Hoey right now over in Northern Ireland. We've been talking about the situation there uh, where the First Minister is about to resign by the looks of things uh, and the Northern Ireland Protocol uh, is the order of the day. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, Brexit is not still going on uh, in Northern Ireland. But Kate, let me ask you about the Boris Johnson situation in general. You you worked closely with him um, around the time of the London Olympics back in uh, 2012 when he was in the Mayor's office. Um, what do you make of what's been happening and what do you make of the Tory party sort of dithering really? They can't seem to decide whether they want to keep him or not. Well, I have my own views on what's gone on at Downing Street, and I think that quite a lot of what has happened, uh, genuinely, certainly in the first period after uh, the Prime Minister came out of hospital, mm. um, were not his, his, his responsibility, his fault. I mean, the idea that Boris has to be responsible for every single person, the hundreds of people working in that Downing Street complex, it's not just a small house with him living above it. Right. Uh, is, is is ridiculous a- any more than, you know, Sir Keir Starmer was responsible for the individual thousands of people who worked in this Crown Prosecution Service. But I do think that there is a lot of payback time going on at the moment from people who really never liked Boris, never wanted him to uh, campaign to leave, never wanted him to win the referendum, never wanted him then to be prime minister and never wanted him to win a majority of 80 and mm. hate that fact. And I'm not talking about you know Labour people. I'm talking about people within the Conservative Party. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Boris, uh, as Prime Minister, has done... There have been some things that presumably we will find out when the police report comes out, whether it was actually genuinely breaking breaking the rules. Uh, uh, and th- But then... You know, people have used this very much. They have jumped onto it and used it as a way of getting rid of the prime minister. Now, I, you know, I think he has his faults. Um, I know his faults. Everybody who works with him knows his faults. Um, but I think that we have to be very, very careful uh, in trying to get rid of someone who is able to campaign and get a majority, a huge majority, to talk to people who never had voted Conservative before. And I think my worry very much is that even as we've seen people like Michael Heseltine coming out and wittering on about 
you know, Boris going could mean we could reopen the whole um, EU. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know why anybody... Genuinely worry. I genuinely don't know why anybody bothers talking to Howard Heseltine these days. Well, I mean, he, gets really... on, he, just, he gets on every BBC programme that's going because the BBC, I have to be say, is loving this. The BBC hated Brexit. Yeah. BBC were biased on all of it and they love all this. So my view is I do not see anyone at the moment within the Conservative Party who I would feel really confident that they would be able to, um, to c- carry on uh, with trying to make this country really, really successful because of having left the EU. So I, 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 it's very easy just to all pile in on the Prime Minister, as people are doing. But I think he'll survive. I mean, he may not survive to the next election, depending on what happens in in actually what people on the ground think. But you know, there is a Westminster London bubble, and I know, and in metropolitan cities, but I think there's an awful lot of people out there who know that they also broke rules. Yeah. I mean, I think there's anyone who didn't break a rule unless you were in a care home, perhaps. But I think there's a, actually, I mean, I disagree with you on that, Kate, only because yeah, I know I've, spo- I've spoken right, to right. a lot of people. I've spoken to a lot of people who have told us what they had to go through. Um, you know, yeah. we've had phone calls from people with tra- terribly tragic stories because I think most of the people who actually obeyed the rules were the kind of ordinary, hardworking men and women of this country who, when they're asked to do something, they do it. You know, they're not these kind of, you know, highfalutin intellectual types like you and I, you know, who kind of go, oh, well, you know, we'll just do this and that and it'll be fine. You know, a lot of people actually did do what they were told to do. And yeah. A lot of people didn't see their, their their elderly relatives or they weren't able to have a proper funeral. People cancelled all sorts of per- birthday parties and that kind of thing. And it's more the, the for me anyway, it's more the, um, the kind of the definition of what the rules were, which they were not adhering to. And if they weren't yeah. adhering to them, then then I think, you know, there's a problem. Well, yes, and I think, I think, I think you're right in the sense that you see some of us felt the rules were too strict, too too quickly, too you know. Yes. A lot of people think they weren't strict enough, quickly enough. But I personally think that we overreacted. Now, so maybe do understandably, I. we overreacted because nobody really knew what COVID was was all about. Yeah. But even when we did, we we relied and government relied far too much on these kind of scientific so-called advisors. Totally. Yeah. Who, Absolutely. You know, and 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 therefore, I think there's a lot of people out there feeling angry that they, they they did have to have fewer people at funerals and not be able to see their elderly people, knowing almost that, you know, not some of them probably wish that they had just ignored it. Yes. And I mean, them- to me, it's not that much different from Matt Hancock, you know, because it appears that there was a culture of, of sort of partying. It was uh, the fact that, yes, he couldn't be held responsible maybe for everything, but certainly he was at quite a lot of parties. Uh, um, and, and again, I don't criticise him for having parties. Great, good luck to him. You know, we should have had more parties. Everybody should have been having more parties. But the point but, is, is that, Mike, that, that, think... that he's supposed to show some kind of example. I mean, if Matt Hancock has to resign, uh, then surely he does, doesn't he? Well, I, I, I mean, didn't Mike resign for for personal reasons over his some ridiculous photograph taken anyway I, I i i think i think we have to be clear the prime minister did not attend these so-called parties i mean i don't think having a, having um, people sitting around in a garden is a party there were clearly one or two really big parties that were organized when people were leaving yeah. and 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 those are the ones that of course if the prime minister's at checkers and those are happening he can't really be responsible for that but it, fundamentally i think the report that's come out is good that what they did say was what's happening in Downing Street is not right. There's something gone wrong there. The civil service are clearly not um, acting in the way we would think senior civil servants Mm. should. The prime minister probably was not really taking that 
uh, you know, he hadn't taken that in, as as importantly enough, and th- therefore, you know, he 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 has to be held responsible for some of it. But whether that is enough to actually hound him out of office, I, I you know, I genuinely don't think so. I really don't. But, no. You know, I but then you see, again, we've moved it on here at Talk Radio to. Let's look at other things. Let's say, for example, in Northern Ireland, Brexit still hasn't really happened. You know, the net zero campaign, which seems to be the only thing he was interested in, apart from COVID, is not something that the vast majority of people in this country want. Taxes are going to be going up. Uh, he hasn't stopped the migrants arriving on the on the nope. shores of this country. So there's a lot he hasn't done as well. And a lot. Well, of... that's, and that's what we should be. And that's where I'm happy to criticise him on very much. Some of the issues, some of the way that, you know, they haven't carried out what they said in their manifesto on, on all sorts of things. And they haven't got rid of, you know, quickly enough some of the the regulations that we should have been getting rid of. They haven't. I mean, the idea of putting on all these extra taxes is not what I think many people voted Conservative for. Mm. So those are the issues. And the green agenda has just been has taken over Dining Street. Yeah. You know, climate change and all of that may be well worth a discussion and a debate. But frankly, it's not worth people having to end up in our country paying lots of extra money just to carry out their normal living Mm. in in terms of energy prices and so on, while the rest of the world, many countries, are building power stations, coal power stations, um, you know, literally every week. So those, that's, that's, but, you know, while the media is just uh, fixated on, you know, a, a cake and things like that, we're not going to get that proper debate. And whether a new prime minister coming in would be any better on that, then I, that's where I have my problems with yes. worrying about that. Yes, well, I'm sure the debate will go on for a long time because he doesn't look like he's going any, anywhere anytime soon if he can help it. So we shall see. But Kate, thank you very much. Interesting, Mike, how many people are... It's, it is a lot of the Remainers coming out big, big, big time. Oh, I think that's true. But there's also good reason for some people who are not Remainers, and I'm certainly one of them, uh, to to have a go. But listen, uh, we could be doing this forever and we could talk probably for hours, Kate. You'll have to come over uh, and we'll go go out and talk for hours over dinner or lunch or something. Or maybe breakfast, who knows? Or maybe we'll have a bit of cake. Uh, 0344 499 1000 is the number. Kate Hoey says this is all being driven by the Ramonas. Uh, is she right about that? She could well be. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. A hollowed out volcano of common sense. Listen on your smart speaker. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk radio. Hey, by the way, I've got a tip for anyone who wants to get their name out there on the uh, social media stratosphere or indeed uh, uh, anywhere else. Just tell Spotify that you're boycotting them. There's a couple of comedians out there this morning I've never heard of, apparently saying, we're never going on Spotify again. Sorry, who are you? I'm not even going to mention his name. I don't know who he is. Seems like a bit of a thing, isn't it? Let's boycott Spotify. Okay, then. Uh, Let's see. Why don't you stop boycotting Spotify uh, and watch the Independent Republican Mike Graham instead? Of course, right here on Talk Radio, we've got some great news today. Uh, Massive figures, massive growth. Absolutely wonderful uh, to hear all of you loving it, listening to it, sometimes disagreeing with it because that's what we do. But as well as listening, of course, you can watch us as well. Apple TV, Rakuten, Samsung TV+, Roku, YouTube. Now we're on Amazon Fire as well. Uh, Talkradio.tv is where you find it. Or go to the App Store and download the Talk Radio. TV app. 
and everything uh, will be so much better for you. Now let's talk uh, to Major General Tim Cross, retired British Army officer uh, and a commentator on the world of defence in which we all are currently sort of living because of course what we do know uh, is that the situation in Ukraine uh, is rather tentatively poised and could end up uh, going away or could end up in some kind of thrumash, some kind of skirmish, uh, we're not so sure. But the news that came out yesterday shocked an awful lot of former military people uh, because tens of thousands of British troops have been ordered to spend a day reflecting on inclusivity. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have them reflecting on how best to beat the enemy. Major General Tim, uh, what do you make of it all? Yeah. yeah, it is a bit of a surprise, isn't it? And I'm not <laughs> surprised that the media have picked up on it. Um, I think, to be fair, first of all, the MOD, like every other department of state, is trying to get its mind around all the social changes that have been going on, you know, and how to deal with them. Mm. And that includes things like climate change, actually, and going green and, yeah. and, and all the rest of it. And a lot of people would put those all under the umbrella of a sort of woke issues mm. and we shouldn't be closing with them and so on. And I don't, I don't think that's fair. On the other hand, all of this has to be balanced with what you've alluded to, really, which is, you know, what is the, what is the aim of having? Why do we have an army? And, and the answer is the army's there to duff up the Queen's enemies around the world and to deliver what we call fighting power. Yes. And one of the problems, I think, in these conversations is we, we can lose a sense of that. And the MOD and the way it releases this stuff doesn't talk about you know, how this is going to improve our ability to win on a battlefield. No. Because that's what we're about. And and there are only two options. You either win or you don't win. Yes. And, uh, and we can't afford not to win. So. Well, well, exactly right. And I mean, even words like or, or phrases such as duff up the enemies of Her Majesty the Queen. I mean, you know, probably that you're not allowed to say that probably anymore. But I mean, it seems, sure. seems ludicrous. Sure it seems ridiculous, <laughs> doesn't it, when you actually have a fighting force, which is supposedly trained to kill people and certainly to hurt people basically being told to kind of be kind. I mean, that's kind of the message, isn't it? Well, it, it does give it. It does give a sense of that. I agree. On the, on the other hand, let me tell you, one of the bravest men I ever met and worked with my father when I was in Australia as a boy was a guy called Mad Mike Calvert. Yes. And Mad Mike fought with the Chindits and so on. He was basically drummed out of the army back in the 50s, for, late 40s, early 50s, for being suspected of being a homosexual. Mm. Now, as I say, he was one of he was uh, I knew him well and I met him in old age and so forth. So so going through the process of making sure that we are not excluding, you know, very capable people who will add to our fighting power and who do enable us to deliver on a battlefield is really important. Now, what that looks like and then chasing targets of figures about, you know, various um, uh, communities, various groups and so forth. I do I do personally find that quite difficult sometimes because we seem to lose you know we seem to lose a sense of the overall strategic purpose mm. so yeah I, I, we're not we're not designed to be kind the idea is that we have to win and that means closing with an enemy and sometimes closing with an enemy with, with a bayonet on the end of your rifle that's yeah. what happened in the falklands and that's what we must be capable of doing and the russians aren't going to be interested in our in our you know uh, politically correct procedures if we end up by engaging with them we won't engage with them over the Ukraine, actually, yeah. but I think, you know, potentially over the Baltics or elsewhere. Right. Because I know it's a complicated issue, I suppose, and it's not black and white, like most things aren't black and white. But, you know, it's one thing to say we must get rid of any kind of homophobia that existed. We must get rid of any kind of racism that existed. And that's fair enough. But, I mean, if you go too far down this road, does it not lead to, to you wanting to not actually kill anyone at all? Because you might want to just forgive them and, and make them a nice cup of tea and give them <sighs> a biscuit, you know, and say, look, please don't invade uh, Ukraine you guys from Russia because uh, it's not a very nice thing to do and that's not really for me what the army should be doing 
No, it isn't. And uh, I mean, clearly, I would offer that you are probably exaggerating for for effect. Um, but nonetheless, I there is a your danger. That, an outrageous that, that claim. Is, Let me just, uh, you know, and the the issue here is we are, we do have people whose jobs now uh, are linked to the whole issue of of inclusion and diversity and so forth. Increasing numbers of people focused on this. And I do think we collectively, as a nation, MOD, other departments of states and so forth, and we're seeing the pushback against this in other areas too, uh, in terms of the whole trans debate and, and other things too. You know, we do need to, to strike a balance here. And I sense the pendulum has probably swung a bit far, but, you know, w- hopefully it, w- it will it will move back again. I was talking to some soldiers. I, w- I walk on a training area. I live in Oldershot. I walk on the old training area that I used to use a lot when I was serving. And I, I, I always chat to the soldiers who are up there training. And I asked them actually yesterday about this, what they thought about it. And, you know, not surprisingly, there was pretty mixed views. Mm. They want to concentrate on training, preparing themselves for potential operations, and they join the military uh, for that purpose. So definitely there was a sense of, um, you know, there's a bit too much of this going on. Yeah, They understand the background behind it. And I think in a lot of ways, it's the way it's presented and then discussed on, on you know, programs yeah. like that. I think that's true. But I think it's also important to make out that probably this is coming from not so much the army itself and not so much people like yourself who have served in it uh, and, and to which for which we're very grateful, but from the sort of mandarins in Whitehall, from the you know, Defence Department um, armchair generals who sit around going, well, we're all doing it. You know, we're all having inclusivity seminars on Zoom. So why shouldn't they? But in the end, you know, you want to have the army using language which is slightly more aggressive, don't you? You want to hear them saying, you know, I want to terminate this individual with extreme prejudice. You know, that's what I want to hear. Well, yeah, to some degree. But, um, you know, let me be quite clear about this. No, no soldier looks forward to going to war. And when we do go to war, we want to fight under the laws of armed conflict with sensible rules of engagement and Geneva Conventions, etc., etc. These things are important. And therefore, training people to engage viciously in a fight that needs to be won but then knowing when to stop fighting and to you know look after people properly etc etc you know is very important part of what we do Mm. and getting rid of bullying and all that sort of stuff is not unimportant either but it, it is a balance with that and the language that we use and ultimately what we want is trained soldiers capable of deploying on operations and conducting operations you know around the world wherever we need to be yeah whether that was in my case you know three tours in the balkans and iraq and so on and being able to engage or whatever whatever's going to emerge in the future yeah so we can't afford we can't afford to allow this to go too far that's absolutely clear right Um, and this day i'm not quite sure uh you know what the average soldier will be thinking about um on this day of what they're calling op teamwork Mm. And, you know, the title's not unimportant. It's trying to get people to cl- to be clear that we need to work together collectively to deliver this output. And, and if something positive comes out of it, all well and good. Yes, but, but it shouldn't it be thing. a bit, I mean, a bit like the police. I mean, you've got obviously large numbers of men and women fighting, uh, living, you know, mixing together. You know, I spent a, a small amount of time in Bosnia during the, during the Balkans War. Um, and right. the, 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 the soldiers that I met and hung out with, because I used to hang out in the sergeant's mess, were all delightful characters. And they were brilliant men and women and very, very um, much people that you could look up to. And I wonder whether just by showing that kind of example, it's better than making them sit through some kind of six hour session of nonsense where, you know, you're all being asked what your favourite colour is just to see whether it's the right one. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I mean, they are brilliant people. I served 43 years, man and boy, in the military, and I loved every day of it. Sounds a bit pathetic, really, but... No, it doesn't. Not at all. No, not at all. I I, I think people who have served in the armed forces are by far and away some of the most sort of, um, you know, reliable and, and proper people. Um, uh, that you could ever meet. And, and, you know, obviously there will be the occasional bad apple, the same as the police have to fix up their problems, but they don't, you're not going to do it by, by not leading by example, it seems to me. No, that's true. And you're right that, you know, the, the, the problems we've had are not un, unimportant and, and in some cases extremely serious, but they are very much a minority. Um, so, yeah, we come back to what, you know, what will this day look like? And, and I don't know the answer to that. Mm. Actually, I'm listening in on the briefing uh, tomorrow about it. So okay. it'll be interesting to see how the MOD are presenting it, what is actually going to what is actually going to happen in the science mess in places like Bulford and Aldershot and so forth. <clears throat> what are the young soldiers going to be, you know, thinking and talking about? Who's going to be delivering that? And and how do they capture the output of it? If I'm honest, I, I, I am surprised we're doing this in the way we're doing it. But until I until I hear tomorrow exactly what it looks like, I'm loath to just sweepingly, you know, sweep it to one no, side. Well, that's fine. Well, listen, maybe we'll come back to you uh, next week and find out what they told you, yeah, and we'll see how that all looks. That's great. Thank you very much indeed, Major General Tim Cross, retired British Army officer, defence commentator. If you've got, uh, you might have relatives in the armed forces. You might be in them yourself. You might have sent uh, your son or daughter off to join in. Um, by all means, let us know what they're saying, what they're hearing, and what they're doing, because it's important, I think, for the armed forces to be trained to kill. You know, I'm not as bothered um, as everybody else seems to be in the Ministry of Defence uh, that they are doing it in an inclusive way. I mean, if you're killing someone, I don't think you need to be that inclusive about it, do you? This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. With the self-appointed revolutionary of reason, Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Lots of calls to take, lots of things to discuss because coming up in this hour, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, uh, is expected to get up in the House of Commons and make some kind of comment about the rising energy costs uh, and of course the energy cap which is about to go up today by 50% to around £2,000. It's going to cost not only an awful lot of households a fortune, it's going to cost an awful lot of businesses a great deal of money as well. Uh, The Chancellor's answer to that apparently is to possibly give you a council tax rebate. Yeah, I mean, I don't know either. I don't know who's running the Treasury, but I don't think they know much about the economy. Stupid, as Bill Clinton used to say. At the end of the day, you can't just give money from another public service to people who can't afford to pay for their own heating, because that is not the way to solve the problem. Surely what you need to do is reduce the cost of the energy. Take away the 20% um, uh, subsidy that we pay to the green lobby. Take away the 5% VAT. And Bob's your uncle. Uh, You've got 25% cut right there. For heaven's sake, it seems straightforward enough to me. The government doesn't need any more of our money, surely. They're putting up our taxes as it is to pay, supposedly, for the NHS. And we're going to be speaking to Dr. Steve James, consultant anaesthetist at King's College Hospital, of course, because at the end of the day, the point is, we need to know whether this NHS vaccine mandate U-turn by Sajid Javid is actually happening. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Also, uh, we're going to be finding out what you can do uh, if your heating bills are going up and going through the roof because a lot of people are asking me the question, how do we respond if we're sent a suggestion by the energy companies to take out a long-term fixed price for a year deal? A tariff that you can or cannot afford. We'll find out the answer to that question for you. 0344-499-1000. Thursday Club, of course, as well, coming up a little bit later on. And Richard Taylor, too. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. This is the fastest growing radio station on the planet. We are even bigger now than we were before. This is Talk Radio. 
the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, the breaking news is not good, I'm afraid. Energy prices will rise by about £693 a year for millions of households after the regulator Ofgem has hiked the price cap on bills to £1,971. I mean, it's unbelievable this is going on. It really is quite extraordinary. Let's talk to Dr Steve James. Um, and I mean, apart from anything else, um, Dr Steve, very good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Um um, I know that you're here to talk about the NHS, but I mean, the energy crisis in this country is staggering, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing that uh, people are being asked to pay this kind of money. It must be very stressful for them. I mean, and you as a doctor will probably see people worrying an awful lot more than they used to. Yeah, I mean, when the cost of living goes up, people have less less money to spend on things that actually matter for their health. So. Right. There's direct correlation. Absolutely right. And one of the things that people don't talk about much is the cost of business. I imagine the cost to hospitals uh, of, of, the, of the energy prices going this high uh, will mean that they don't have as much money to spend either. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, I don't know how that works in hostels, whether they've got any fixed contracts or, or what, the, what the deal is for them. No, quite. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Sajid Javid. I mean, he did what I think a lot of us hoped that he would do. And I'm sure that uh, your intervention with him at King's College uh, Hospital a few weeks ago probably did some good, if, if nothing else. Uh, he says he's now not going to impose the, uh, uh, the, ma- the vaccine mandate. You won't have to lose your job if you haven't had two vaccinations. But there's now a sort of slightly confusing period to, to come, isn't there? Because there's some kind of consultation going on. What, what can you tell us about that? Well, it's, I would say it, it's primarily a confusing period. I don't think we've got clarity on um, what's, uh, what's going on at the moment. Right. Uh, uh, different. Uh, the main concerns are that for, for students and for new appointees to positions or people who want to change position within trusts, there might be the possibility that um, trusts are mandating COVID vaccination. You know, look, we, we've kicked COVID vaccination as, as a mandatory requirement right out of uh, the water. You know, we've we've argued it, we've proved it, the government's made a backtrack on it. And uh, I really don't think there's any grounds for that to happen. I'm very pleased to see this morning there was an email from the University of Manchester saying that while they recommend 
that you get a COVID-19 vaccination. It's a matter of choice mm. and they're not going to be uh, requiring students to have it. Right. So uh, those sorts of letters are starting to be seen now and people probably should gain some confidence that uh, you know, most organisations are going to come out in that direction. Right. If an organisation doesn't come out in that direction, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to explain why uh, why they've come up with this idea. Yeah, I mean, Boris Johnson was asked the question yesterday by Esther McVeigh, which was a great question, uh, which I think he gave the sort of right answer to, but he wouldn't give an absolutely firm yes, we are now reversing that particular decision. What he did say was um, he still believed that it was the right thing to do to get vaccinated. Um, so he's obviously still keen for people to get vaccinated, but mm -hmm. as long as they feel that they can't impose it, then I suppose that's at least something. Yeah, I mean, this, there's been this general message of vaccinations good because that encourages people who are going to benefit from the vaccine to think, I'll take up the vaccine. And I think that that line is not going to stop for a long time. Mm. And what what the public are asking for, what I've been asking for, is for, for nuances, for separation into uh, where is it appropriate. Yes, exactly right. So as far as you're aware, um, if it is if it is being given as a sort of responsibility for each individual health, um, uh, um, you know, health board, if you like, and, and, and health trust, does that mean that some might impose it? That there's a possibility, but that they've got to have justification for doing so, really. Mm. Um, and I know that uh, some managers are, are very keen on, on um, uh, mandates, but they've now got to be in a position where on their own, they've got to be able to stand up to their employees. They've got to be able to stand up from uh, pressure from outside, from the public. And so I think most people, most of those organisations will will see it's difficult to, to put that into place. And I, I think you'll find that as the public's against it, um, there'll be a lot of pressure for, for people to justify doing such a thing. Mm, absolutely right. And what about care home workers? Because obviously many of them have already lost their jobs. Uh, some of them moved into the NHS, in fact, before it was then announced that, that the same rule might apply there. Um, have you heard anything about what is likely to happen in care homes as far as whether some of these people might get their jobs back? Well, I, I think they're certainly allowed to go back to work, whether their employers are offering them the jobs or not at the moment. Again, it's not clear. Um, I'm just about to do a question and answer session with Stephen Jackson again, the lawyer uh, who helped us um, with putting forward the legal challenge, because there are a lot of questions that uh, aren't really clearly answered here. And we need some legal advice on, on what's supposed to be happening in the next weeks. I don't think the government's made a very clear uh, very clear U-turn the slightest. No, absolutely. Um, and as far as the way that the COVID sort of um, um, wave, if you like, for want of a better word, is is now going, what's your view of, of sort of where we are? Because it almost feels as though we're very much at the end of it. Um, it may well be that those who say there's other variants that will come may be proved correct. But, you know, it does feel rather that, you know, we're, we're kind of on the way out of it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, COVID like flu kills i mean let's not let's not forget that we don't like disease in society we don't like people getting sick and dying and we don't like um you know the sadness and the difficulty that comes with that but it is on the scale of of flu now uh, and we need to treat it appropriately mm. Oh, I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, I personally know lots of people who have got it, but it hasn't been a problem for them. And in many ways, that's a sort of good thing, isn't it? Because you want that to be the case. You want for people to be able to kind of, you know, have experienced it uh, without being a massive in, in inconvenience, really. Yeah, and in some ways, it's a bit of a workout for your immune system if you don't get um, really sick from it or, get, you know, develop a, a um, stronger response to the, the virus. 
uh, then you know our immune systems are designed to work yeah. you know there's all of our our body that when you stress the system it actually gets stronger mm. that's how that's how you get you know physically stronger by stressing the muscle you actually rip the muscle fibers it hurts for a while but then the next day you can do more so there's this process called homesis where you stress brings benefit it brings longevity mm. Yes, I think that's right. And what are you seeing actually in the hospital at the moment where you are, um, as far as like in admissions from from people with COVID? So talking to people on on the ground, the numbers are fairly quietly sort of low as far as <clears throat> patients who've got COVID nineteen. So we must continue to distinguish between people who are positive for the SARS virus and people who've got a disease related to the virus. Mm. So COVID nineteen. Um, the numbers of people who are in hospital is fairly small. Many of them were in hospital, have been in hospital for, for, for a good while. Um, but we've got a high number now of what are called coincidental mm. uh, or incidental COVID findings. I don't think it's incidental COVID, it's incidental SARS positive. Right. And does that mean that many people are still coming into hospital for something else and then kind of testing positive for COVID while they're in there? Yes, absolutely. So that's the incidental COVID. Oh, OK. And there's a lot it, more of that, isn't there, than we were first led to believe? Well, as as um, Omicron spreads through society, it's just going to be present within a certain percentage of the population and those people coming into hospital. Um, and if it makes you a little bit unwell at the same time, then it will slightly be more predominant in the population of people who present to hospital. Mm. OK. And how are you um, being perceived these days, Dr. Steve? Because since you've been on my show, and I know you, I wasn't the first person to talk to you, um, but you seem to be everywhere these days. You seem to be uh, a very a man very much in demand. Um, how are your colleagues uh, seeing that? And how are they sort of treating you, if, if, if it's all any differently? Um, well... Uh, you know, I, I've been someone who's who's come out and spoken out, um, and uh, there haven't been that many uh, doctors in my position who've been speaking mm. the, uh, with the line that I have. I know many more who uh, feel the same way as I do, but don't feel like going in front of a camera. Right. And as I went in front of a camera a couple of times and didn't fall over myself too much, um, uh, I've kind of been offered every other interview going, I suppose. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, you've done it. You've done it very well. But it was one of those moments. I mean, when they do the review of the end of the year, if they've got any brains, they'll, you know, your encounter with Sergi Javid will very much be part of that because I think you can't take away from the fact that that was a, quite a seminal moment for people like us who believe in a freedom of choice. Yeah, it, it was, and it was the, the fact that uh, a, a voice was put out into the mainstream media saying i've got questions i'm not happy with the policy and thousands and thousands of people uh, probably hundreds of thousands of people if not millions in this country feel that way yes exactly right so so what's next for you does it look as though you'll be able to stay where you are and continue to do what you want to do uh, rather than having to because you were willing as i think you said when you were here with me uh, to walk away from the job if, if necessary yeah well you know i've mentally you know, pack my bags and was prepared to leave. Um, I've set up a couple of training courses that I'm going to be going on starting soon um, because those were going to sort of support me doing other things uh, uh, in the world. Um, I'm interested in trying to promote health uh, rather than just work um, at the end of you know, critical care and mm. the, the spectrum of health and disease. So I'm looking to see what, uh, how I could still keep some of those things going 
uh, while maintaining my hospital base. Yes. And just going back on, on the sort of the timetable of this Sanjeev Javid sort of consultation, if you like, I mean, are you aware that there's any meetings set up or uh, is anybody going to ask your opinion on anything? To share with you, we're still waiting for clarification. Right. Um, a letter has been written to Sanjeev Javid by Stephen Jackson, the lawyer, uh, asking for a clear timetable. Right. Okay. Interesting. So we'll keep an eye uh, on all of that. Dr. Steve James, thank you very much indeed for your time. Uh, Dr. Steve James, consultant anaesthetist at King's College Hospital, uh, who is, of course, I would have to say, one of the most important people, I would say, in that conversation about vaccination mandates. Because I've heard ever since Dr. Steve came out, spoke to us and did speak to one or two other people before we got to him, of course, but has now spoken to an awful lot of other uh, organisations, broadcast media, uh, television stations, other radio, you know, Many more people who are in the NHS who are unvaccinated have been given what I would regard as the strength to come and speak. And we've heard from many of them. I hear them on other radio stations as well. So what Dr. Steve, I think, has done is not only given a voice to those people who were frightened to speak up, he's kind of given them uh, the courage to do it themselves, which is tremendous. So if you are one of those NHS workers who has uh, not been vaccinated and who does not want to be, uh, or if you are somebody who is and does not think those who are in the NHS should not be unvaccinated, we'd love to hear from you as well. 0344 499 1000. Chris says uh, on the subject of the SNP, surely cutting the bottom off doors in schools is a fire hazard and contravenes fire regulation, doesn't it? Another example of low-level thinking from the establishment. Well, certainly low-level thinking uh, from the SNP. Uh, we'll take some calls on that as well. 0344 499 1000. Rishi Sunak coming up at 11.30. We'll take some calls next. This is Talk Radio. Graham speaking common sense unto the nation. On Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Well, the interest rates just got up to 0.5%, so that's going to have a bit of a knock-on effect on mortgages, uh, on everything else as well, on borrowing. Uh, the, 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 the economy has suddenly kind of exploded before our very eyes. Richard Sunak has just got up in the House of Commons and said that he's going to give some money back to us in order to help us pay our energy bills. However, it amounts so far to what I can see to be about £12 a week if you happen to live in a, in a house with a council tax ban uh, uh, banned up to D. A, B, C, D, uh, anything beyond D, uh, which is we mean, which means you're obviously paying through the nose already. So you must be wealthy enough to be able to afford to heat the house that you're charged thousands of pounds uh, for council tax on. It now would appear uh, that there's going to be some other um, sort of feedback coming from the Treasury, but it's robbing us to pay us, isn't it? And in fact, the only people getting rich here are the people running the energy companies. It's an absolute scandal, I have to tell you. Coming up, we're going to talk to Richard Taylor, political commentator and broadcaster, a man uh, that we saw in the studio earlier on this week, but we liked him so much we thought we'd get him back on. Because I'll tell you why, he talks a lot of sense. He's going to tell us a mad story from Wales about how Mark Drakeford has been spending a fortune of taxpayers' money on TikTok videos with Goldie-looking chain. Huh? Anyway, uh, we'll get into that. We'll also have Helen Nicklin in, uh, who's going to be bringing us some Valentine's Day-style drinks, which will be very nice. I know it's a long way off, but, uh, you know, if you're thinking about uh, your loved one and what to buy them, you might get a couple of ideas. Who knows? 0344 499 1000 is the number. We're also still talking about what's going on with Brexit, what's going on with Boris Johnson, what's going on with the plot to remove him. Uh, so far, more letters have gone in, but they haven't reached that uh, magic number yet, I don't think, uh, for the no-confidence vote. But Rishi Sunak... 
is looking more and more uh, like a Labour Chancellor, isn't he? I mean, this is my problem with the Conservative Party at the moment. They're not doing anything remotely Conservative. They're taxing us more. Uh, they're telling us that they're going to give us a bit of our own money back. But it's not going to work, is it? 0344 499 1000. We're being told that your average household now will be spending almost as much as £3,000 extra because that's what the cost of living has done. This is Talk Radio. We're going to try and fix it. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic. Let's talk to Richard Taylor right now because this, I have to say, uh, is something of a financial crisis that's kind of come out of nowhere, hasn't it, Richard? Very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. It's good to be back on the home of common sense again. And it's great to the, the, the fact that your listeners and viewers can understand my accent as well. It's, it's always an advantage. You know yes. what I'm saying? Well, it? we thought we'd better get you into the studio first to get a good look at you and uh, catch the, uh, the cut of your jib and all that sort of thing. You passed the test yeah. uh, with flying colours, I'm pleased to say. Uh, well, that's, so, due to, that's due to the makeup girls, that is. It's nothing yeah, to do with me. You absolutely know I mean? right. They make you look good every single week as they, well. You know they, they absolutely do. And, and let's just congratulate ourselves one more time for all the great uh, figures that we've just seen. Uh, record figures. I was going to say, outstanding, you know, face book is losing its users and yeah. you know talk radio is increasing its viewership yeah. and listenership could so these two the things be connected everybody watching keep watching keep sharing it because it's important because this is the home of common sense it really is absolutely right now this has come as a bit of a blow from a belt from the blue hasn't it rishi sunak getting up this morning uh talking to us about how he's going to give us some money back off our council tax that's something like 12 quid a month, it would seem to me, uh, which is hardly going to help anyone. Meanwhile, uh, the cap on um, on energy costs is going to go up again in April by 54% to nearly two grand a year. Family, Ordinary family households are facing bills of something like £3,000 more than they were last year. I and mean, we can't go on like this, can we? No, it's just crumbs off the elite's table, isn't it, really? Let's be honest, because yeah. they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's our money in the first place. Right. And he's just giving us a hand. And as you, as you pointed out already, Mike, this is not going to help families across the country. Millions of people are going to be pushed into poverty as a result of this government's taxing policy. Let's just tax, 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 legislate, legislate. And it doesn't seem to have a plan, a way out from it. And, and yet, you know, we're looking at a conservative government that is more like Labour every single day. They've gone from dark blue, pale blue, to almost almost red. Yes. I mean, what has happened to this government? Well, they used to call the Tony Blair operation Blue Labour. I wonder whether we should start calling Boris Johnson's government Blue Labour, because it really is extraordinary how much money they're allowing the, the energy companies to make. I mean, I was just saying to our previous guest, Shell, uh, just profits by 12 billion quid. Now, you can't tell me <laughs> that that's got nothing to do with the rising price of energy, so they're not suffering. You know, their directors are going to take home their six-figure salaries. Their, their shareholders are going to get the dividends that they got last year. So, you know, who are the mugs here it's obviously us yeah it? It's, yeah it is and it's the big fat companies that are making it the most aren't they you look at these companies like shell and the big corporations you know they've been increasing the prices of fuel at the pumps for for well the last 20 months during the pandemic and it's crept up and nobody really was reporting on it i know you've talked about it on this show mike because it's the home of common sense and lots of people have been affected by that not being able to use as much fuel to travel to work then they're pushed on the public transport and certainly you're in wales public transport is a complete joke you yeah. can't get anywhere you know because such a rural place but certainly that's what's happening and it is the big companies that are making all the money off the backs of the little people once again and Rishi Sunak's announcement today does no favours for middle earners for low paid families for people on benefits they're going to be pushed into huge poverty we're going to see more people at food 
banks, more people in debt because they're trying to borrow against what they already owe, and the crisis is going to get worse. We're heading for a financial crash, it seems like, under this government, which I never thought I would see under a Conservative-led government. And you know what's interesting is Peter Hitchens, a man who I started off disagreeing with, but who now I now almost agree with on absolutely everything, he predicted <laughs> this. He alone predicted this right at the start uh, of the pandemic, right at the start of the first lockdown. He said there's going to be a terrible price to pay for all of this. And look what's going on. He's absolutely right. Well, he is, because you look at our national borrowing and our debt, that's gone up massively. And some of that is a, is a direct result of the lockdowns that the government imposed as well. Pay in furlough. Now, if we didn't have those lockdowns and restrictions as much as we did, for example, in places like Sweden and other places, yeah. then the debt and the borrowing wouldn't have been so high. So the government are culpable for this. They're responsible for the debt. They're responsible for the borrowing. And they'll say to the public, well, we were we supported you, you know, through the pandemic. And I, I completely disagree with it. As we've said before, Mike, when I was with you last earlier this week, there needs to be a public inquiry into mm. how the governments have handled the pandemic and the impact now it's having. Because now people are paying for the government's decisions back right. 20 months ago. And for them to say, oh, we have to help to rebuild the economy. Well, hang on a minute. It was you that wrecked the economy, not us. <laughs> I mean, we didn't do anything to wreck the economy. It was your fault that the economy was wrecked. It was your fault that you gave away billions of pounds to people who didn't know what they were doing, giving billions of pounds to companies that didn't exist, you know, uh, which are now writing off as, as some kind of, you know, unreachable fraud. It's unbelievable what's going on. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to be a way out of it. There's no alternative. I've not got a credible plan from the opposition, from Labour either. No. They, they always come up with, well, we've got a plan. Well, what is your plan? You know, it's on the back of a fag package. Yeah. I haven't seen anything. I haven't heard anything. That's credible. Uh, I, 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 can, I can accept the fact that the government got a huge challenge on their hands. I get that. And I'm no economist, and I don't know how the economy works inside and out, but I, I get the basics of how things work. Income expenditure. That's all you need to know and what you've got left at the end of the month for most families. And most families are not looking at the economical kind of impacts globally or internationally. They're looking at, right. I get my wages at the end of the month, I pay all my bills and I'm skint. I got nothing left. Right. And, that's no the case, and that income. is the case for more and more people in this country. And guess what? The government's idea uh, to help them out with that is to put the national insurance contribution up by 1.25% uh, coming in uh, April. Uh, they're going to put the electricity and gas prices up in April. I mean, people are going to be absolutely destitute. I've got this from Benedict, right? He says, I live in my grandparents' house. They're both in care. I'm self-employed and I'm already feeling the pinch. I can't afford to move out. The house I currently live in is band E, so I'm screwed. Absolutely unbelievable. Mm. Uh, and here's one from um, Steve. Uh, who says my energy is with Scottish Power which promises me 100% renewable electricity so why am I paying so much more for the high gas prices I think someone is trying to pull a fast one either my power isn't renewable or they are pocketing the difference well that's the other racket isn't it uh, yeah. I've been calling for ages and some MPs have backed me Robert Halfen is one of them get rid of this 20% green subsidy who the hell needs that who's getting it all yeah. these companies are getting it. They're getting my money to run a company so they can charge me even more money uh, for my electricity and my, my, my gas. It's a madness. Yeah, it is madness. And we've talked this before, Mike, this big green agenda, this net zero kind of thing. And it goes back to the whole idea of what it's going to yeah. cost people. I mean, you should rename, it's going to cost you, us. You should rename net zero because that's what we're all going to end up with. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely zero. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Let's that's exactly what's zero. We haven't got any money. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I was going to put a windmill out in my back garden, but there's not enough wind to be able no. to power it. Well, so get I'm, Drakeford I'm, round. I'm, he'll, he'll blow it round. Well, for well, he's, well, he's got money to splash about, Mike. And let's be honest, you've seen this recent one with TikTok where he spent £237,000 under a Freedom of Information Act that was released uh, earlier this week. And uh, yeah, he spent £237,000 on TikTok ads of him dancing with teenagers. Now, if you've seen him dancing, the guy's rubbish. He yeah, can't dance is. as it is, you know, so I don't even know why 
he's doing it. Why is he, why is he paying TikTok, by the way? Everybody else just puts things well, on TikTok well, without I, paying for it. You, you may be interested to know this, Mike. He's got links with China because in 2016, a delegation from Wuhan, yes, believe it or not, really? Wuhan, came to Swansea and bought land in Swansea at the waterfront there to the handsome sum of £300 million. Wow. As an investment. Now, of course, many of you viewers and listeners don't know this, but it's fact-checked. It's all out there. They can find it themselves. So they've got close links to China. They've done lots of deals with them in the past. It's no surprise that he's using TikTok. And not just with these dancers, you know, to promote get the jab and wear a mask and all that. A band called Goldie Looking Chain, yeah, the famous in Wales in Newport. Yeah. yeah, well, they were paid the handsome sum of £37,000. They were given about seven grand. PR companies got the rest. And a week later, they had to cancel their gig because they all caught COVID. <laughs> you couldn't make this stuff I up. Gotta could you? I, sorry, well, I got I mean, to laugh. Sorry, I got to laugh. I just I mean, think it's the irony. It's the irony. It is. It, you know. Well, of course, the, 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 the peak award for COVID madness goes to Nicholas Sturgeon this week, though, for the yeah, SNP, well, cutting, cutting the bottom off the doors <laughs> in all the schools because they think that will help well, them with um, the spread listen, of COVID. I, 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 I'm no coward. Carpenter, right? But I can do a cheaper job for her. I got some tools in the garage. You, I can go yeah. there. I can do it for less than three hundred grand. I mean, this is taxpayers' money. We're yeah. talking about it, mate. But you know the reality. This is hard-earned taxpayers' money for ridiculous ideas that devolved governments think is a good idea. Three hundred grand on shortening doors to stop the spread of COVID. The woman has gone absolutely mental. She's not right in the head. Now that's my opinion. I know it might not be yours. It is my opinion. Listen, it's you can crazy. say that on the Independent Republic. Yeah, it, it does. It does make just, any sense you know, at I mean, all. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm you know, let's let's see if she wants to take you to court to prove that she's absolutely fine. Uh, what are you going to say to her? Why don't you just take the doors off? Why do you have well, to take I, them off? Because here's could, what they're going to do, right? They're going to take I, I, the, yeah. they're going to take the doors off. They're going to cut them down, and they're going to put them back on. What's the bet? Because I can <laughs> I can give you some history on this from when they started the Scottish Parliament. You know, it was going to be something like um, four hundred thousand quid to build it right it ended up being something like 40 million quid because that was the yeah. overspend one of the things they did wrong uh, was when they built it with all these really weird shaped windows they ordered all the windows in the wrong size so when they all arrived none of them fit so they had to take them they had to send them all back and get some new windows so double the price for the windows so probably what will happen is they'll saw off the wrong half of the door and put it back on <laughs> and it will be the wrong way round or something they'll have to chuck I mean, them all I mean, away isn't it mad these are, <laughs> these, are pe- these are people who are in charge these are people who are governing us I mean and it, it's just it's just ridiculous. No, you're in Wales as well. The our airport, Cardiff Airport, oh, yeah. is, fam- is famously it's owned by the Welsh government. And year on year, in the last financial report, uh, we got pre-tax losses of twenty-four, almost twenty-four million pounds. So they they can't run an airport. Mm. They're running ads on TikTok. They're spending money on silly bands trying to promote the jab. And literally, you're thinking to yourself, we got huge levels of poverty. Yeah. Where our education standards are some of the lowest in the whole United Kingdom. We've got a housing crisis in Wales, and he's on TikTok spending 200 grand. He's wasting 24 million airport they can't even run. And it makes you realize what is he doing? This is why I refer to him as the Emperor Donald Cardiff Bay, because he doesn't seem to be accountable for the wastage. And no. then I mentioned to you the health minister, Yvonne Gethin, who was promoted to economy minister after screwing up the National Health Service. And you can't write it, Mike. You really couldn't. How about this from Angela? She says, This Chancellor has made the price hike worse he's probably made just about every energy user extremely cross and depressed then he boasts what a good job he's done priceless he sure is well this is the thing i mean you know the idea that you're going to be better off because if you happen to live in a band a b c or d i don't know what band you live in um but there's i'm i'm, I'm hearing that uh, it's commuter belt uh, sort of houses that are in those types of bands 
people who are in bigger houses, certainly in, in the southeast, are not going to be anywhere near this rebate from the council no. tax. And also, it's 12 quid a month. I mean, I mean, in this in this part of town, you barely get, you know, a Negroni for that. Yeah. Well, it's not going to help me because I've got five children. So I've got a big house, right, and, uh, in Wales. Right. And I, I'm paying currently 2,000. It's quarter Scottish power. Uh, last week, they quoted me 2,700 pounds. My bill is going to be Blimey. for the next financial for me. Yeah, that, that's it. No, look, I live in a five-bedroom house. You know, the heat has been turned off. All of my kids are wearing woolly jumpers made in Wales. I've decided that that's the way we got to go, you know. Uh, but no, seriously, for a lot of people that can't afford it, Mike, it's devastating. And yeah. I'll feel a pinch, you know. I, I'm not a class as a low-income earner, but I will feel a pinch myself. I really, I think we all will. And I think it's when it's the lowest paid people in our country that have to shoulder the burden of the financial state that we're in mm. that's been caused by this government. And yet he gets up today, Rishi Sunak, and, and he speaks as if he's doing us all a favour. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've decided I, I, I that I'm mean, going to hand you back your own money, really. I mean, it's like some <laughs> bloke robbing you and leave, and going, I'll tell you what, I'll leave you five and get home. You know, I'll take yeah, it all yeah. the rest of your money, but here's five quid to get on the bus. But look, the answer is simple. You've already covered it so much, Mike, today. Look, cut the taxes. Mm. You know, get rid of this green tax. It's the green 20%. tax, 20%. Get, get rid of it. Just cut it straight away. It's done. Done deal. Get, and also, there, there and it it's no small amount of money because when you think about it, if you're paying two grand a year, as a lot of people are, you knock 20% off that, suddenly it's 400 quid you're saving. And then make another 5% off, you know, you're doing pretty well. So, I mean, it seems to me that that would be a far more intelligent way to deal with it because this is madness. Because all that's going to happen is the energy prices are going to go up higher the energy companies are all going to make even more money and we're all getting stooped. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think if you think of Bob, what's been going on with Boris at the moment, you would have thought that he would have had a word in Rishi Shunak's year and said, let's do something really good. Yeah. You know, that really gets people back on board. You know, it's just common sense. Just say, look, let's do something. Let's get people back on board, you know. But no, nothing, no plan. No. Apart from raising taxes. And it I see work. I see this getting a lot worse before it gets better because the Bank of England's put up interest rates. That's going to hurt yeah. people who have got mortgages. So that's going to go up. Uh, people who are saving in every single company that is now paying for their energy uh, is going to see themselves having to put their own prices up, right? Because in the end, that's all they can really do. Um, Lance Foreman's actually sent me uh, a, a message which says, with energy costs doubling, keeping VAT and climate tax at the same rate means the government is actually benefiting from the price rise at the expense of consumers. Disgraceful. Oh, well, so they're making absolutely. even more money that way. Yeah. Well, and Peter Hitchens, as you said, right, he was almost well, prophetic, let's be honest, what he said has come to, come to pass because you could see where it was going. You can't have highest levels of borrowing since the 1930s and the debt that we've got since we've ever known right. in my lifetime, certainly. It has to be paid for. But the way they're going about it is going to, once again, it's going to be a burden on the middle and lowest paid people in society. Yeah. And they're the ones government should be taken care of. It's not the ones who are rich, who've got the money, the ability to pay. They're going to be okay. They're going to, they're going to manage. They're going to find it. But some of the big companies, some of the small independent companies, yeah. Mike, which doesn't get covered. What about them? What about local businesses and communities across England and right. Wales and Scotland where they're going to feel the squeeze, where they can't afford their energy bills? They're going to have to shut their doors. They've just gone through a pandemic where they've not been able to open. They're open now, of course. And now they're facing huge domestic and business you know, uh, costs in their energy. It, it doesn't, it's not sustainable. No, I mean, I've got, like, I've got all sorts of people. I've got all sorts of people getting in touch with me. This is from Robert, right? He says, marvellous, Mike, isn't it? I barely got my business through lockdown for the last 23 yeah. months. Had a bill for the gas and electricity for December only. Combined, £1,300. <laughs> At this rate, I'll be out of business by the end of the year. And I mean, it's absolutely, un, it's just unsustainable, but, but, isn't but, it? But, 
Yeah, but it's interesting, Mike, that all you hear from the dispatch box is, we've got the fastest growing economy in the G7. You know, oh, we're, great. we're doing this. That's great. But then we, we, we get calls like this. We hear people's stories and it doesn't translate to what people are going through in everyday life. And I think that is what the government have got to get a grip. They've got to sort this out. They've got to, you know, regulate where they need to, to change some of the, the some of these big corporate companies putting big, huge taxes and spend on charging consumers at the, at the pump, for example, gas and electric and all those things. They need to do far more than what they're doing. What Rishi said today does not go far enough. Listen, the, the, the great listeners and, and viewers to this show have got a lot more common sense than we even know, right? I've got this from Charlie. Uh, he sent me a picture of some doorstops. He said, you can buy one of these for 60p. We can get them to the <laughs> SNP. Every teacher in Scotland has one. Stick it under the door. Keeps it open. Job done. No need that's to spend three hundred thousand pounds. No need to just saved you three hundred grand. Now, listen before I let you go, yeah. and I've very much enjoyed this. You've retweeted a story which is also shocking. People will be absolutely horrified by this. Thirty-seven thousand asylum seekers and Afghan refugees living in the UK hotels at a yeah. cost of one point two million pounds per day. Per day, that huh? is the, that is the average cost that has been published just recently. That is costing the government to look after um, asylum seekers here in the UK. And when you consider all that we've just discussed, Mike, put it all together in context: the cost of living for people that lived and worked here all their lives, pay taxes all their lives, and they're facing this crisis of whether they should put the heat in on or buy food. And yet we're spending 1.2 million pounds a day looking after asylum seekers. I'm not saying I'm not saying we shouldn't. But a bit of put, we need to put this into context. Have a bit of you know, what are we doing? What are we doing to our own people? Yeah, we we need to look after our own people first, Mike. I know. Your charity does begin at home. Of course it does. It's absolute madness. One point two million pounds a day. I mean, I've actually had from the, uh, the 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 migration committee at the House of Commons, the MP who's the chair of that, and I said to him, "What happens to these people when they arrive in Dover? When they get helped onto the shore by the RNLI or whoever it is, border force that are helping them into Britain?" What do they do then? Oh, they get taken to some accommodation. I said, yeah, well, how long for? And he said, oh, a couple of days, which was a barefaced lie. He knows that's not true, uh, but nobody's willing to actually give you the truth of it. But everybody that I know that knows what's going on tells me that hotels up and down the country have yep. been basically occupied for the best part of a year and a half, and they never are able to give you a room. If you turn up and say, can I have a room, please? They go, no, sorry. It's all block yeah. booked. It's block booked for years. And I, I think that the challenge we've had with mainstream media, certainly, is that when you mention anything to do with asylum seekers, straight away they categorise you as being, you know, a racist yeah, or, you know, you hate these. And, and it's not the reality. Look, we've, we've got a, an island that's so, it's so big, right? And I believe in controlled immigration. Yeah. We, we can't have, and we had this under Controversial. Tony Blair. It was an absolute disaster for us. Yeah. It doesn't work. You cannot do it. And lots of these people are not leaving war zones. They're coming through European countries that are not in the middle of a war. Yeah. You know, so well, listen, I, I wouldn't I think... advise him to go to some parts of Swansea where I've been on a Saturday night before this. You know, that's not very safe either. To Swansea, no, definitely not. <laughs> I can agree. I can concur with that one, Mike. Now, listen, I'm going to finish up with another tweet from David. He says, I live in Wales. Can you please let this guy uh, get in charge down here? He's brilliant. So there you go. You've got one <laughs> vote. <laughs> got one vote. <laughs> Well, Drakeford, on well, listen, Drakeford will do away with the all-elections soon. You know, Kim Jong Drakeford, as he's now known. Yeah. I mean, he won't be allowed to vote for anybody else. He'll just stay in forever. 
Yeah, well, that's the idea, Nick. He's trying to run things down. You're giving 16-year-olds the right to vote. We've got that. Foreign nationals mm. can vote here in Wales now, so you don't even have to be a citizen. You can vote. Amazing. I mean, it's just... It, he's done it. Look, it's a joke, he's, he, he's, he's been there. He's, he's going to stay there for a while longer unless we need something in Wales. We need a... We, I told you before, Mike, we need a revolution in yeah. Wales. That's what we need. We, we really do. do. I think we're going to need one here soon as well. Richard, great to see you. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Richard right. Taylor, political commentator. A man who speaks a great deal of common sense. He should be running Wales, quite frankly. He'd do a hell of a lot better than Drakeford who seems to be messing it up at every single turn. But at least he's not doing one thing. He's not sawing off the doors uh, in the schools. He'll probably come up with that one next week. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Across the UK. Online. On DAB. And on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.